You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we have a special message in store for you. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from His Word today. All right, let's take our Bible and turn to the book of uh, Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter 14. We're going to step out of our series here for today, consider the weekend that we're celebrating here. I was praying and asking the Lord what He would have me to focus on this morning. I really believe He led me to prepare this message for you today and for those who are listening to us on live stream. And I want to ask you a question as we begin this morning and The question is this, what makes a great nation? Is it our military? Is it our economy? Is it our political system? Is it our educational system? What is it that makes a great nation? Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, I believe, has a clear answer for us. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So what is it according to the Scripture? Obviously Solomon was under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, but we also know that he was the wisest man that ever lived. So getting the counsel from the Spirit of God and the wisest man that ever walked the earth besides the Lord Jesus... What makes a great nation? God's Word makes it clear it is righteousness that makes a nation great. But righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms with me. Psalm chapter 33. Psalm 33. Of course, now Solomon's father, David, and the inspiration of the Spirit of God is penning the words of a song, a psalm. Psalm 33, we're going to pick up with verse 11. Are you there? Give me an amen. Let's get a little better, better amen than that, okay? Amen? amen? All right, thank you. I haven't heard some amens for a while, so help me out there. <laughs> Proverbs 33, verse 11, we'll read through verse 22. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Aren't you thankful God has preserved his word for all generations? Blessed, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven and beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king save by a multitude of a host. And a mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. 
Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Let's go back to verse 12. What makes a great nation? Solomon said it's righteousness. Here David said, blessed is the nation whose God is what? Whose God is the Lord. The two things that make for a great nation. This weekend we observe uh, Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow, of course, is Memorial Day. It's a patriotic holiday in which we honor our country's men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice in shedding their blood that we could enjoy the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy today. These are brave Americans. Americans who paid the ultimate sacrifice so we wouldn't have to. Do you got that? May we never, ever forget the freedoms and the liberties that they gave their life for are freedoms, listen to me church, they are freedoms and liberties that are worth dying for. Such a weak amen. We all should have shouted amen when it comes to the freedoms and liberties that we have and enjoy today. We do have a great nation. But what will make our nation greater? More righteousness. What will make our nation greater when we once again acknowledge God as our Lord? Memorial Day is much more than just having a day off work or spending time with family and friends. I know it is that, but it's much, much more than that. It's more than just having a long weekend so we can recreate and, and enjoy ourselves and the freedoms that we have as Americans. It is a day to do, as the, listen, as the Bible told us to do, is give honor to whom honor is due. Even though we may not know all of those who gave their lives, we honor those who gave their lives for us. May we never take our freedoms and our liberties for granted. And may we, listen to me church, May we as good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ continue this fight, continue this spiritual battle that has made our nation the greatest nation on the face of this earth. We are privileged to live in America. If you don't believe that, just take a trip around this whole world and you'll come back with a new appreciation for what God has blessed us with. Uh, for those who are are always criticizing America and finding fault with America, I only say to you, go live somewhere else. What is the meaning of a memorial? A memorial is anything meant to help people remember some person or event that has affected our lives in a positive way. That which preserves the memory of something 
and serves to keep it in our memory. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty forgetful person. Are you? How many of you still use sticky notes? All right, I even saw a couple millennials raise their hand and said they use sticky notes. That kind of surprised me. How many put reminders on your phone? Can I? Okay, there. Many more do that. I kind of live by my sticky notes and my reminders. And I'm often saying when my wife asks me something, I'm often saying, I'm sorry, honey, I forgot. I remember saying that to my parents. They didn't accept that too well when I said I forgot. But we are very forgetful people. Because we are forgetful, and, and God knows that, do you know he gave the nation of Israel 32 memorials? 32. So that they would never forget special events that took place in their life and make sure they continue to honor and glorify God through these memorials. One which we don't think of was the rainbow. You know, the Bible says the rainbow was given to us by God as a memorial. A memorial of what? That he will never again destroy the earth with a flood. Next time this old earth is destroyed, it will be by fire, not by flood. There was the memorial of the Passover. The Passover lamb. There was a more, Did you know that the Sabbath day is called a memorial? So we remember all that God did in his creative works. And then he rested on the seventh day as an example to us to make that day a day of worship. There were seven memorial feasts that the Lord gave to the nation of Israel so that they would remember. In the New Testament, we have the Lord's table. Look right here. Do this in what? I can't hear you. What? remembrance do this in remembrance of me why did the lord institute the table and something that we are to do often because we are prone to forget take your bible with me and turn to the book of joshua and chapter four as i thought about some of these memorials that the lord has given i thought about joshua and the 12 memorial stones. How many remember reading about Joshua and the 12 memorial stones? Only a couple of you here. When the nation of Israel was entering into the promised land, they came to the Jordan River. The priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and then there were other priests lined up behind them, and then the nation behind them. And as they begin to enter into the land of promise, as soon... This what an amazing thing. God is an amazing God. As soon as the foot of the priest touched the waters of the Jordan River, the Bible says the river parted and it erected itself into a huge heap. And immediately the ground was dry and they crossed on dry ground. As the last person came across the Jordan, now into the promised land, the waters receded back as they were before. Can I tell you something? That's a miracle. I would have loved to have been there and to have witnessed that. But so the people would never forget. And so their children and their children's children would never forget. What did Joshua do? Do you remember? 
chose one representative from each of the tribes. They went and got the largest stone that they could carry. They went into the middle of the Jordan River and they erected a memorial. So whenever they came to that spot, and he said, and your children ask you, what meaneth that pile of rocks there in the Jordan River? You could remind them of the great deliverance the Lord gave us from Egypt. He also talked about coming through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, and then into the Promised Land. He said, I want you to rehearse these things in the mind of your children and your children's children, lest they forget. You know, it's really something that when the next generation comes along, often that next generation will forget the Lord. You will find that as you read through the Scriptures. So we need things that will constantly be reminding us of what's really important. Today I want to speak about the spiritual condition of our nation. Listen to what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 20. Has have any of you ever seen anyone walk out of the church? Okay. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28 says this, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. Have you ever stopped for a minute and watched what's happening in our country, especially with the socialistic democratic left and what they're doing to the ancient landmarks throughout our land? What are they seeking to do? Would you tell me what? To remove them. So that we will not remember our heritage, the great history of America. We're trying to remove it from the minds of this generation. No longer being taught in our schools. And these ancient landmarks are being torn down. I want to tell you something. It breaks my heart when I see what's happening in our country today. I don't think I've ever been as proud, if you can use that in a right way, proud of our president as I was this week when he said enough is enough the churches will be reopened again. And if the democratic governors that have closed the churches and have kept the churches closed are not going to allow the churches to meet, our president said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to force them, I'm going to override them, and I'm going to make them open the church house again. I'm so thankful for our president. You know, it's amazing that we can close the church house, but we can leave the abortion clinics open. That we can shut down worship, and yet you can still go to the liquor store and buy your liquor. We can't gather together and worship in some states, and I will, even though I, I mean, I have so disagreed with our governor and how she's handled this whole situation. I will give her the credit. She never did shut down the churches. So it's something that we voluntarily did until we could work our way through this so-called pandemic and figure out what we ought to do. So I'm thankful that she never did go that far, realizing that that was a clear violation of the Constitution. So I will give her that. 
But it's just amazing how we have allowed certain things to stay open and yet we have shut down other things. Jeremiah said these words. Listen to the words of Jeremiah the prophet. He said, they have stumbled in their ways from the right paths. Church, as a nation, we have stumbled from the right paths. They have stumbled from the right paths to walk in a wrong path. They've stumbled from the right path to walk in a wrong path. And then he says this, to make their land desolate. What happens when we as a people head down the wrong road? It makes the land desolate. I'm here to tell you today, it's time on this Memorial Weekend to say by the grace of God, we're going to get back on the right paths. We're going to erect once again the ancient landmarks and we're going to remind our children of the godly heritage that God has given us as Americans. Give me an amen. That's going to be up to you and that's going to be up to me to pass that on. I could spend the rest of the hour this morning quoting from our founders. I love reading our founders. I love reading statements made by our founders. If any of you have ever followed David Barton, Wall Builders, you can go to uh, Brother Barton's website and you can read quote after quote after quote after quote and statement after statement after statement that is made by our founders. May we never forget George Washington said this, reason and experience. It's like we've lost our reason. But he said reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. He said you cannot have morality without religion. It is impossible Our first president, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. What students would learn in America's schools, above all, is the religion of Jesus Christ. George Washington. Noah Webster. In my view, the Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things in which all children under a free government, under a free government ought to be instructed. No truth is more evident to my mind than that the Christian religion must be the basis of any government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people. Let it be impressed on your mind that God commands you to choose rulers, just men who will rule in the fear of God. James Madison. We've staked. These are all our founders. We've staked our future on our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all of our heart. Think of that. As Americans, we have staked our 
our future upon our ability to follow the Ten Commandments. But what have we done? We've removed the Ten Commandments from our schools. We've removed it from our courts. We've, re we've removed it from almost every aspect of life. We have staked the whole future of American civilization not upon the power of government. Far from it. We've staked the future of all our political institutions upon our capacity to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Is this all sinking in here? Alexander Hamilton. He said, what made America great were two principal things. Number one, Christianity. Number two, the Constitution formed under the principles of Christianity. Benjamin Franklin. Freedom is not a gift bestowed upon us by other men, but a right that belongs to us by the laws of God and nature. Man will ultimately be governed by God or by tyrants. Listen to this. Is this not appropriate for the day and age in which we're living right now? Those who would give up essential liberties. It's just striking to me how we have given up our liberties because of this coronavirus. Do you all, listen, do you all understand what's happening here? Government becoming more controlling, government becoming more powerful, government just being able to write laws contrary to our Constitution, and we say little or nothing about it? Hello? Those who would give up essential liberty... To purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. I'm here to tell you, church, it's time that we stand up as a church and as Americans and say enough is enough, no more. Amen. Thomas Jefferson. God who gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift from God? That they are not to be violated but with His wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and His justice cannot sleep forever. John Adams, our Constitution was made, this is a powerful statement, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. What is he saying? He's saying when our morality falls apart, everything's going to fall apart in our culture. John Hancock. We recognize no sovereign but God. The president is not sovereign. The Congress is not sovereign. The Senate is not sovereign. Our governor is not sovereign. There's one sovereign, and that's God. 
We recognize no sovereign but God, no king but Jesus. John Hancock. Andrew Jackson. The Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. Abraham Lincoln. You understand this? I could go on and on and on and on. Abraham Lincoln. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. The exact passage we read earlier. We the people... This, this almost sounds revolutionary. We the people are the rightful masters of both Congress and the courts, not to overthrow the Constitution, but to overthrow the men who would pervert the Constitution. I think it's time that we pull our head out of the sand and we look around us and we see what's happening we start standing up for what is right. I'm going to tell you, if the church doesn't stand up, nobody is going to stand up. A strong warning was given to us by Hosea, and I believe we can tap into that warning today. He said in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They don't know. For example, as I read through our founders, I wonder if our young people even know who they are. Oh, they may know George Washington, they may know Abraham Lincoln, but I wonder, do they really know who these men are that I'm quoting? I doubt it. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, seeing thou hast forgotten Forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. That is a serious warning. The message of the prophets. If you will look at all the prophets, whether it's the major prophets or whether it's the minor prophets, this was their message. Repent, excuse me, remember, repent, return, and be restored. Remember, repent. Return and be restored. That message is also given to us. Remember the seven churches in the book of the Revelation? I don't have time to read all these scriptures. Remember from whence thou art fallen and... Do you remember? Repent. Remember from whence thou... Remember when you stumbled off the right path. Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent. And then he says this, and return and do the first works. Otherwise, I'll remove your candlestick from you. I think this message is just appropriate today as it was when the prophets gave it and as it was when Paul wrote the letter to the churches of the Revelation. I believe we are truly living in the last days.
I, I believe that. There are many signs that indicate that we are very close to the coming of our Lord and Savior. And again, when he said, when you see these things come to pass, know that it is near even at the door. One of the clearest, in my opinion, and I can give my opinion because I'm the preacher. One of the clearest indications that we are close to this end is what the Bible said, there will be a great departure from the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. I believe that you, if you will look around today and in our churches today, you will see this great departure from the faith. And by the way, it was only given once. It's never changed. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, listen as I read. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that obviously is the rapture, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. Someone had written to the church at Thessalonica and had forged Paul's name to it, telling them that they had missed the rapture and they were now in the tribulation period. Let me ask you a question. Would that trouble you? He said, listen, you didn't miss the rapture. You're not in the tribulation period. Then he goes on to say this. Watch this. He said, don't be troubled over this. Let no man deceive you. That letter that you received, that was a deceptive letter. That wasn't, that wasn't from me. That wasn't from any of the other apostles. Let no man deceive you by any means. Listen. For that day, what day? What day? The rapture. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That falling away is the word apostasy. Unless it ap this great apostasy happens, this departure from the faith. I believe we are seeing that right now today before our very eyes. We now have a gospel. We have a gospel that is preached and it's void of repentance. There's no repentance hardly ever mentioned when it comes to the gospel message. All you got to do is turn on the TV and watch the televangelist. You will seldom, if ever, hear the word repentance. But Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And so that's another gospel. So we have a gospel without repentance. We have a lowering of righteous standards. What is it that makes a great nation? Righteousness. <coughs> so we have a lowering of righteous standards. We have a removal of holiness. And we have a loss of moral values. This is where we are at today. Remember what I said earlier. The disciples said, what should be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus gave several signs. But listen to this one. He said, iniquity, iniquity will abound and the love of many will wax cold. Now, how many of you think we see iniquity abounding all around us today? Get your hands up if you agree with me. Are we seeing the same thing happening even in our churches? Iniquity, unrighteousness, a loss of moral standards, 
moral values is being lost even within our churches today. Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 35, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast forgotten me, and cast me behind thy back. Because you have forgotten me, and you've cast me behind your back, therefore thou shalt bear also thy lewdness and thy whoredoms. Paul wrote to Timothy, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Remember when I told you about the letters that were written to the seven churches? One of the things that was warned about was the, doc, was the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. How many have ever heard that name Nicolaitans? Very few have. You know what the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was? Oh, we can just continue to sin because grace abounds. Remember what Paul said? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What? God forbid! But the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was we're forgiven so we can basically live however we want to live. And the Nicolaitans, even though they professed Christianity, they lived a very sinful existence. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I can just live however I want to live. Can I tell you something? That is not the gospel. That's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans that was strongly condemned. It was a doctrine of worldliness. It was a doctrine of, of a lack of spiritual separation. I believe it, it goes right along with that health, wealth, prosperity, and pleasure gospel that we see being preached today. We can live however we want to live. This message. And I'm here to tell you, church, I, how many times have I preached against this? And yet I see our own people being influenced by it. The health, the wealth, the prosperity, the pleasure. That is a, that, listen, to a carnal person, that message is attractive. When you hear that message being preached from a church, you're drawn to that kind of church. You love that kind of worship style because it brings you pleasure. I'm here to tell you, the church is not about us. The church is not about our health, our wealth, our prosperity, our pleasure. It's, listen, it's not about us. It's all about Him. What happened with Him? I've watched over the years of some of our people some of our people have gravitated off into these churches. I mean, I don't know how I could preach any stronger against this than I have preached against this. You'll go to these churches. You, won't, you will not hear preaching on sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16. No, you won't hear that. You'll hear how you're supposed to be healthy, how you're supposed to be wealthy, how you're supposed to be prosperous, how you should enjoy pleasure. It is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans 
And God said, this is a doctrine that I hate. You won't hear preaching on holy living. You won't hear being preached that we should possess our vessels in sanctification and honor. You won't hear that we should pursue holiness. Be holy for I am holy. You won't hear of how important it is to walk in the fear of the Lord. These issues are seldom if ever addressed in many of our churches today. And then on the other hand, we have the contemporary church. And then on the other hand, we have many of our fundamental churches who have become legalistic. I call it the sin of pharisaicalism. Jesus said, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy unto you, saying, this people draw near unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. That's on the other side. You have one side and then on the other. Isn't that just like the devil to draw us in one direction or the other direction and not stay right where we need to be? But in vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. Even, even so, ye also outward, uh, uh, outwardly appear righteous unto men. But within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Isaiah said, but we all are as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like a wind have taken us away. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you can be over here in the contemporary camp. You can be over here in the fundamentalist camp being a Pharisee. And your heart can be just as far from God over here as it is over here. Are you with me? That's why we have to get back to true righteousness. Righteousness exalteth a nation. I'm here to tell you that as a nation, we have a broken moral compass. Many of you don't even know what a compass is anymore. But I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. My dad taught me how to hunt, and the first thing that my dad gave me, even before he gave me a hunting knife, he gave me a compass, and he taught me how to read a compass. My dad would send me off into the woods. And he'd send me off just as a young teenage boy. He'd send me off into the woods. And I'm talking about woods. I'm not talking about a 40 or 60 or 100 acre plot of land. I'm talking about woods. I'm talking about where you could walk and walk and walk and walk and walk forever and maybe come across a logging trail. But my dad gave me a compass. He said, Dan, if you ever get twisted up, all you got to do is follow this compass. It's going to bring you right back to where you need to be. We have a broken compass as a nation. Some of you have heard of Pew Research. And I'm, I'm going to read some things here to you. I'm going to try to wrap this up as quickly as I can. I'm very passionate about what I'm preaching on today. We're in trouble with God. And I don't know, a lot of times, you know, you hear research goes out and polls are taken and 
You know, I heard, just saw a poll the other day that said that Biden is leading uh, in the presidential race. He's got about 50% support, and, uh, and President Trump has about 38% support. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. I don't believe that for a minute. But still, at the same time, there has to be something here. Pew Research is pretty honorable. They say 82% of people in America believe that moral standards are just personal. They are relative and cultural. They're not religious or coming from God in the Bible. Eighty-seven percent of Americans say that adultery is wrong. Only nineteen percent say that premarital sex is wrong. Nineteen percent. Only twenty-three percent now see homosexual homosexuality as wrong. Only 32% see abortion is wrong. Only 8% see that divorce is wrong. 82% believe that the death penalty is wrong. Only 18% believe that lying is wrong. It's okay to lie once in a while. Only 27% believe that not paying your debts is wrong. In 1960, it's one year before I was born, 88% of Americans believed that marijuana was wrong. In 2019, 91% of Americans see nothing wrong with the use of marijuana. I've even gone around with some church members arguing this whole point. I'm going to tell you something. I am never going to accept it. It's wrong. It always has been. You ever notice something? If it was wrong then, why isn't it wrong now? Hello? Has God, has God somehow changed His morality? Maybe it's time our morality matches his instead of trying to make his match ours. What do you think? Only 38% of Americans believe that doctor-assisted suicide is wrong. Then this question was asked of millennials. I know sometimes I get hard on I love our millennials. Our millennials in our church, they got it. I'm so proud of them. But millennials were asked this, did your father and mother have higher moral standards than you? 97% of millennials said yes. Remember our life's verse that we chose for our church some 20 years ago. Isaiah 58 and verse 12. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. 
Can I tell you something? It's time to go back and erect the old landmarks, to lift them up again. It hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. His values haven't, haven't changed. His morality hasn't changed. And they that shall be of these shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations. And thou shalt be called, listen, our church verse, the repair of the breach. What is a breach? It's a hole in the wall that the enemy comes through. We got some walls, to, we got some holes in the walls that need to be patched up. Amen? Listen, start patching. Start patching them. Start patching them in your life. Start patching them in your family. I'll do my best along with your help to patch them up here in the church. And thou shalt be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He said this, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes fountains of tears, that I might weep day and night for my people. I want to tell you something, church. It's time that we start weeping over our sin. It's time that we start realizing righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. And I'm here to tell you this. Either we are part of the problem or we're going to be part of the solution. You know where that righteousness begins? It begins by trusting Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. If you're here today and you've never opened your heart to Jesus or you're listening to us on live stream today, and I don't know how anyone could not be concerned about what's happening in our land, but let's be concerned enough that at least we can change ourselves. At least we can let the Lord come into our lives and truly become our Lord and our Master to accept the gift of salvation that He offers to each and every one of you here today. Because, because I'm here to tell you that the Bible says that judgment must begin at the house of God. But listen to the rest of this. For it is time that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God be? You know what the end is of those who don't obey the gospel? What's the end? And I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which was the book of life and the dead were judged out of the things that were written in the books. Larry was just telling me about how he's witnessing to a man at work. He's witnessed to him many times. And he said this to this man this week. He said, listen, the most important thing for you to know is that your name is in the book of life. He said the guy just kind of blew him off. I want to tell you, someday you're going to stand before God. And if that book of life is opened up and your name is not in it, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoso was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
It doesn't get any seriouser than that. So have you trusted Christ? Have you received him as your Lord and as your Savior? Those of you who know him, how are you living? How are you living? Remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent and return. And God promises that he would restore. That song that was sung just before I started preaching today was about coming home. Listen, it's time for some of you here today to come home. For some of you who have been walking with the Lord and you've been, you've been holding that standard, raise the standard high for the Lord. Don't give it up. right? Don't let go of it. Keep holding it. You say, what if I'm the only one left? Keep holding that standard. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.